0: Hola, socios. Hola, equipo. My name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Nurnberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh. Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I'm a socio of The Big Interview.
1: Hi, this is Taylor from Shenzhen, China, and I am a socio of The Big Interview. My favorite episodes are the weekly insights from La Liga. Living out in China, I can't keep up with the league I love because of the kickoff times and the fact that it's just not covered out here. It's not very popular, which is very, very sad. And Graham and his insight really helps me to stay in touch with the league I love and the football I love. Hello, my name is Neil White and welcome to another episode of The Big Interview at the World Cup. We are recording this moments after the end of the second semi-final. England won Croatia 2 after extra time. And, Graham Hunter, it's nice to actually talk to you after exchanging messages during that match.
0: Yeah, yes. Messages which um, include language, which, even given my liberal attitude to um, cursy words, we can't use in this podcast. It was a kind of
1: late 70s, early 80s Doctor Who match to watch, you know, as you kind of edged further and further behind the sofa and, and peeked out through the gaps
0: between your fingers. Very good. I wish you'd sent that line to me. That's very good. No, listen, I, I have to say, although it might be that nobody who's listened in is interested, but as a Scot who grew up, not hating him, but always wanting them to lose, always wanting Scotland to beat them, never enjoying triumphalism coming at us from England, this World Cup, and to, to be fair, everything that I've seen Gareth Southgate trying to teach and inculcate and stand for, and I don't mean... Dress code, or speaking nicely to the camera. I'm talking about the values that ever since he was, I'm a 21, coach, director of football. Effective. I'm not sure if that's the precise um, title he had. I think it's pretty damn close. He stood for everything that it seems to me has been the missing element of senior English football. Given that they're now they're just winning for fun, aren't they? At um, I mean, if they'd won this. And gone through to the final, it literally would have been world football domination at an international level, given that they they already have two youth sides that are world champions, yeah. so therefore it's been a really strange thing and and listen, I know I dominate because I talk so much, but you know we've never talked about this, you and I Neil, but this this was an extraordinary effect on me in that aside from liking a lot of the footballers, I've interviewed one on one, quite a few of the players are on the pitch on both sides. And it's despite feeling a stake because I know one or two of them, I was genuinely out and out supporting England and wanting them to win. At any rate, I have found this a really odd experience, Neil, in that. During the game, it, it wasn't just a sporting horror. You talked about hiding. I think it was a Daleks reference you made, was it?
1: Yeah, I was thinking Cybermen, but Daleks, Daleks works too.
0: And and I think you could have been hiding behind the sofa because of sporting horror and saying, that is not how you manage a football game. That, 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 that's one of the longest consistent sessions of bad decision-making on the pitch that you're likely to see in a World Cup semi-final. Um, but beyond that, I, I cannot deny that a part of me was saying, I, I hope for all the people I've liked in sport in England for the time that I lived in England and for the way in which it will be ultimately healthy for the Premier League if the national team is playing intelligent, modern, mature football. And and they just, you know, they just tossed it away. Not the result, not just the result, but they tossed away everything that has brought them this far. It's so depressing to watch.
1: Yeah, there's lots to talk about. We were talking just before we started recording. Uh, we kind of had to start recording because we found ourselves already dissecting the match without a button pressed, which is not a good look for a podcast. But, you know, we were, we were talking about uh, the halftime analysis and the ITV coverage, which I actually agreed with. The guys in the studio were doubting that there was any way back for Croatia, almost to a man. Um, I, I agreed with that. I thought England had fantastic chances to increase their lead. I think a two or even a three goal lead at halftime would have been
0: no um, flattery you know, for, for England. And, and would have been the basis to say no way back. But once you at top level don't take those chances, and what's more, the pattern of ill distribution of the ball started from about half an hour in. Yeah, you said that.
1: That's when, that's when we, started, we had to start recording because you, you kind of cut across me and said, no, I, you know, I thought this was coming from, from much earlier than halftime.
0: I thought they were wrong. I thought they were doing the wrong things. It, like to say, <laughs> I thought it was going to end 2-1 in extra time. No. But given that what we've praised on this podcast, what we've tried to identify is the link-ups whereby people passed to each other. And whereby it wasn't only passing out from the back; it wasn't just that Pickford could send a diagonal ball to Trippier or Young. It was the fact that you could see Deli Ali and Kane linking. It was the fact that you could see Henderson and Sterling linking, and and Sterling again created some of the chances that you are talking about either his. His runs from uh, for, onto a deep ball, his ability to go past a the man. There were obviously there were a couple of occasions. Once, just screamingly in the first half, where you know Harry Kane hasn't denied had just denied himself a World Cup final, but probably the golden ball that if if he squares it to Sterling, who's onside in front of an open goal, it's two nil. The wind is out of Croatia's sails. And England have got the, the the cushion of a of a goal margin that allows them time to go. What is it, It said? We we do not. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I objected to, I didn't see the the halftime analysis that you're talking about. What I objected to was they allowed. First of all, we often see tactics similarly, and one of the things that I. Absolutely adored, and it's easy to praise a winning coach afterwards. But Slako Dalic, when he was sitting in his little bunker planning this game, said England aren't particularly good in midfield. They don't have somebody like Modric, similar even to Modric, who will hold the ball, set the tempo, change the pace of a game, but also kill it a little bit for five, six, seven, eight minutes if they're under pressure. And he said to Croatia, tired or not, press England's back three and press the goalkeeper. Now, they can pass once. They can, might even pass twice, but they won't be able to pass three times. And Zlatko Dalic read it exactly right. at that, At the point that he came up with this theorem, his players still had to have the commitment, the belief in their coach and the legs and the lungs. But they did. What I think it put a magnifying glass on is a phrase that you and I have batted back and forward during this podcast series, whereby England are a little bit further in the tournament than their actual development, age, experience and skill set provides them. I did a little um, analysis for a piece for The Athletic today where I looked at the impact of Champions League experience on this tournament and the three teams with vastly more um, Champions League experience, finals, wins, double wins, goals in finals, semi-finals, were Belgium, Croatia and France. And England were conspicuously different in that they had, I think, only Henderson who played in the Champions League final. I could be wrong, but the number of players in the England team who didn't have uh, last 16 quarter or semi-final Champions League, the number of players who hadn't been to a final... Um, ...compared to the other three was gigantic. And we saw that out on the pitch. And Dalic, the the Croatia coach, said to his players... ...if you keep at the pressing... ...and they weren't even pressing in, in groups of two or three in midfield. It was pressing high up the pitch and saying... ...that back three will run short of options. They won't panic. Stones and Maguire can pass. But they will not have three passes or four passes to get out of trouble. And Dalic won the lottery. Absolutely got it right. And what England started to do when they were 1-0 up and they were a little bit under pressure, as soon as they were getting any sniff of the ball, they were trying to play it long or play a killer pass. And they, you know, there were instances where maybe Lovren or Vida, because the ball was long quickly, might have been out of position by half a metre or two yards or whatever it might be, and England might win a throw or might win a header or a second ball, but predominantly what happened was Croatia were winning second, third, and fourth balls as the as the pinball effect took shape. And, and I say again, well beyond the two goals that they scored, well beyond the fact that England then spent 35, 40 minutes running around like headless chickens, draining the energy that should have been used to pump to their brain to the thinking part of football, never mind the creating chances or scoring, that that whole just domino theory in reverse, instead of it falling in your favour and everything falls that way, everything was falling away because it began to be an impossible thing for England because of their own inadequacies to keep the ball, to take the sting out of Croatia, to slow the game down, to make sure that Rakitic and Modric, if you notice for the first 65 minutes... There's about 35 metres between the two of them and they aren't partnering up. And Modric is very, very deep and he comes into his own when the game is already won in everything but the scoreline. And, you know, its I'm not saying fools, idiots. It's not the finger of, of castigation or blame. It's just such a disappointment that nobody on the pitch could realise and say, wait, 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 we've shed our personality and that, Again, it might be too harsh to say Southgate possibly needed to say Dyer and Henderson together in midfield, sacrificing one of the creative players and saying, we will not lose this 1-0. Did they watch the France display? Did they watch Canty and Pogba?
1: Yeah, the France semi-final from last night really was at the forefront of my mind watching that second half unravel, you know, the difference in the game management. But also I want to pick up on something that you've just said there about the lack of um, individuals on the pitch saying, OK, stop, OK, think, OK, slow it down. And I wonder if that ties in with your experienced Champions League argument, kind of umbrella point. And I mean, there's a lot to like about that England team. And there's an awful lot of talent there. But who amongst that group are the, you know, it's always it's kind of like a cliche, but the Roy Keane type of player. And if you think back the last time England made a semi final, that 1990 team had plenty of individuals who would take responsibility, who would shout at each other, who would make those on, on field decisions. And maybe it's the kind of thing that you don't see watching on a TV set, but it didn't seem to me as though there were many people in white shirts calling the shots, you know, changing the tempo, changing the message. Yeah,
0: but, I mean, bad decisions in a in a, in a a fledgling football team, not a bad football team, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I don't renounce a millimetre of what we've both been saying, and, I, you know, foghorn leghorn here. Maybe I've been shouting it louder, but I've liked the process. I've liked the message from Southgate. I like the planning I understand the the way the various means via which he's built team spirit. It's patent that they've enjoyed each other as well as the experience. It's patent that he's applied science, both sports and psychological, to the art of penalty taking and saving the the The, the myriad of things that have been enjoyable and quite uplifting about England so far. Given that we both know, you and I, that there is a tranche of young talent which will be coming to international fruition over the next five, six and seven years to make England, unless something outrageous happens, a very potent, very interesting, very enjoyable international force. So all these things stand. But in a fledgling team, when you're talking about, you know, Lord, had 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 they had Roy Keane at this age, they have won that game, I think, but bad decision making, and and that isn't just stupidity. Sometimes, as you well know, it's the rush of blood in your ears. It's the semi final. We scored this wonderful goal. Croatia aren't settled yet. Yeah, they're pressing us, but the fans are roaring.
1: Well, that's the Champions League thing. That's the Champions League point that you made, isn't it? They've not been. At that magnitude, they've not been in that situation. You know, they're breaking new
0: ground in and out of the furnace until they're until they're blasted into, you know, tungsten toughness. Oh, I've been here before. I know what happens if we do this. Ah, whoa, whoa, whoa! Now there was nobody doing that, and the the first person I reached to of the recent generations that could have shifted that was Hargreaves. Hargreaves and and maybe if you'd put a Rio Ferdinand in midfield. But Hargreaves was a guy who understood absolutely the value of maintaining the ball and how to do it. And I remember, I'm certain it was the game against Portugal with 10 men, where Hargreaves played one of the best international performances I've seen from anybody from these islands in my lifetime. Doing two men's work... Um, leading by example but also by precision, by, by positioning and, and by demanding that other people take the ball from him and then give it back to him when he makes a, a three-yard run to create a, a, a triangle, an angle. Now, much as though I like and enjoy some of the attacking elements of Lingard's play, of Deli Ali's play, of Sterling's play, of Kane's play, between them, they all lacked about seventy four yard movements when they could and should have given teammates on the ball a perfect and easy angle via which to shuttle the ball and beat the press until and Croatia ran out of juice, ran out of belief, went, hold on a second, this isn't working. And instead it went the other way. Croatia knew because they have been through the, the furnace they have won you know they've got modric with four champions league titles rakitic having scored in a champions league final won a champions league final won a europa league manzukic having played in two champions league final uh, scored in both of them the keeper having played in a champions league semi final the list goes on vasalico europa league winner um, champions league finalist or semi finalist they knew neil they they knew they got they were like bloodhounds and they were yep yeah, yep yeah, there's blood in the water here Again, you know, listeners, the socios know, when you don't need to be fed when you're tired by immediate goals. You need to be fed by the idea that the coach is right, we're right, they're crumbling, it'll happen. And and all through the night, from 30, 35 minutes onwards, until the Manzukic goal and until, you know, Trippier falls over and England commit fouls late on when one last goal can take them to penalties... Croatia knew. That's what I swear I saw. Croatia knew. And, and I knew, I absolutely knew from before halftime that unless there was a mass transfusion of new legs, calmness on the ball and movement and leadership in midfield, then England were going to lose. OK, we're going to take a quick
1: break. Back with more soon. And we're back. Graham. I want to pick you up on your Owen Hargreaves point there. That's really interesting. I mean, obviously, Hargreaves learned his trade in Germany. I'm drawn to a point that you made in your book about Spain's three tournament wins, about how those guys travelled away from Spain and picked up a lot of stuff that they then applied to their time with the national team. And I wonder, I mean, we've spoken about this before. I've been in the room when you've spoken with footballers for the big interview about this but is there a lack of uh, export from english football
0: yeah you're talking about export to import aren't you because you you're right i can't believe in researching although my point was a little bit different for the for the article i'm writing i can't believe that i didn't fall upon that other glaring thing that you you've correctly pointed out that if you look at the belgian team French team, the Croatian team, they play just about everywhere except their own country. (laughs) And England, I think every single player, isn't it? Every single player in the squad plays in England. And I think that what we've learned, we can see it with our own eyes, but what leading professionals tell us is that the very act of moving to a well-managed, ambitious club in a foreign league will automatically tell you teach you things imbue you with things that it's next to impossible to get if you stay at home however good you are and I think that um, you know I saw that even with players who didn't then bring it home to Spain it was it was you know brutally obvious in, in Pique and in Sesc and in Alonso and in Pepe you know we Cathorla we could name them Without fail But I saw it too in, in Raul I saw it in Raul About Schalke Raul, a guy who You you genuinely having watched his career Would have thought that he would never play anywhere else And still more than Yero, who, who was a tough guy This was the Crown Prince of Madrid he went to Schalke And I watched him at Schalke Learned German You know, follow the tradition of singing with the fans Going at the end of the game With the rest of the team Standing on top of an advertising banner, and and taking a microphone and singing with the fans, or fighting like like I'd almost never seen him fight for Real Madrid in a cup game, which was Schalke Bayern Munich or Schalke Dortmund, and and they eliminate the bigger side, and the the, the change in him extraordinary. We've talked, I guess, to guys in about life in England. We've talked to Steve McManaman about life in La Liga as an Englishman. There must have been there must have been others that. You know with've Chrissy Waddle, we talked about the the complete cultural differences that reorientated his mind didn't didn't augment his skills. you know the skill set probably stays the same if you're elite, but what changes is the is your your diet or your attitude to the media or your attitude to game management um who chases who doesn't how hard you work in training um what your weight should be so was that potentially another thing that was missing when england were required to to realize tonight from before half time that they were they were beginning a process that would lose them the semi-final yeah i I take your point and i should have thought of it sooner
1: so graham if we look at the success that england's had at youth level and those players coming through and they're not so far behind this current england team that they're going to miss each other you know this is going to be a a kind of combined group at some stage and is this lack of adventure this lack of foreign experience experience of living and working in a in a different country is this the thing that's maybe going to prevent them from reaching their potential
0: well you and i both know that what we're talking about is an added element. Neither of us is talking, and nobody should confuse the issue about saying, hey, if you're, if you're halfway decent and you go and play for Benfica, suddenly you'll be a magician. What I think we're talking about is the added um, repertoire that a new language or new cultural instructions or new tactical instructions or a new attitude from, you know, the crowd in the Westfalen Stadium can give you. Now, the comparison I suppose you're making... Given that it was Hargreaves we picked on, he must have come back to Manchester United aged about 26, 27. And, and you're talking about those teams that won the World Cup at under 17, under 19 level for England. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, the, the, the standout one is Jaden Sancho because City have got cosmopolitan footballers, um, a Catalan managing director, uh, a Basque. Um, sort of head of scouting, head of recruitment Pep Guardiola's coach and Jadon Sancho, a standout footballer, chose to go and play at Dortmund because he thought he would be quicker in the first team because he thought that there were things to learn in Germany and and the reports back that I've had, given that I know people at the club have been pretty near stunning in, in a very difficult season for them. He has played a lot of football and he has stood out the ones I know less about would be Ryan Kent who Liverpool, I know, like, and went to Freiburg. Um, Chris Willock went to um, Benfica um, from Arsenal. Reese Oxford, again, and Mönchengladbach are, you know, evidently thrilled about this kid who started at West Ham. There are others who I don't know. Mukhtar Ali um, went to Vita Arnhem. I don't know enough about him. But suddenly there's K- um, Kaelin Hines at Wolfsburg too. None of these... Are, are being touted by you or I as, as therefore, because they've gone abroad, it's automatic that the progression will be brilliant. But it is in answer to, to your solid point. If you've got an attitude amongst the next generation, that instead of only thinking about moving abroad, if it's Real Madrid breaking the bank for you and giving you €500,000 Euros a week at that stage in the future... If it's viewed as by the talented, already achieving footballers coming through at England youth level, that there is an extra value in, in testing yourself in Spain or France or Italy or Germany, then it, it would make you all the more optimistic for the next decade. I've always said that, number one, I'm I'm sick of the... Build England up, then slam them in the media. The fans love them and then hate them, and you see a giant footballing power playing inadequately at international level. I want to be able to turn the television on or go to a match or go to a tournament, enjoy England playing. So that's what we're talking about. And I think that the fact that these youngsters have got a different cultural outlook, maybe because of their backgrounds, parental or social. At any rate, I I think that that's also a point for optimism, in that they don't seem to be as afraid of going abroad as their as their predecessors were.
1: Okay, let's not end this podcast without talking about the World Cup finalists, Croatia. Huge achievement from this relatively small nation to make it to their first final. Guts and gas and some outstanding performances um, in that team. And I know you're becoming increasingly interested in the man in the white shirt on the sidelines too.
0: <laughs> yeah, he kind of looks quite a cool guy anyway because you barely see a word coming out of his mouth. He's He mooches about the, the touchline um, like some guy who's only watching a kid's game until he can get to the bookies or the snooker. I mean, you and I talked off Mike about the fact that Following the Russia game, I think both of us had our doubts about whether Croatia's energy levels, stamina levels, would potentially betray them if the match against England went long, and it wasn't like that. And what stood out was that the the belief by the squad, not just the starting eleven, in Zlatko Dalic's idea, and the way in which he arranged the team, the way in which he asked them to press the width that the 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 two wide men. Gave them the way in which neither Trippier nor Walker was allowed to do much damage on the run going forward. Um, all of these things give me a little bit of optimism that the fact that you know Mandzukic left the pitch in tatters, he wasn't just time wasting. Vrsaljko, you know, had been ruled out of the game. Played um, has that come at a cost? Subasic was rolling around in agony against Russia. It looked like a you know hamstring muscle. It turned out only to be cramp again at this stage with a day's extra rest for France having bossed the game um which they most certainly did last night in the other semi-final against Belgium with a better 1 to 11 with a deeper bench um with Deschamps having yet to be really tested by his opposite number you know the whole thing paints like France have got um a hand and a half eight fingers on the on the world cup trophy again that's how it paints the things that make me interested slakodalic like you mentioned that beyond the pressing beyond the way in which he rearranged to put um, Brozovic deeper and rakitic and modric nearer to each other as the game advanced i really liked the way that he'd asked vasalaco to be not quite on the post but between uh, zvizic and the post when the cross comes or the corner comes in for stones's Brilliant chance to to win the semi-final, header on target, it's gonna beat the keeper. There's Vasalako popping up to head off the line. Rebic, I think, had been running his luck all night, was eventually booked, should have been booked earlier. Um as soon as uh Slakodalic realizes there's this vague possibility that because Rebic has got blood roaring in his ears, you know, the sub is made. Off comes number 18. I just look highly upon what i 've seen of Dalic so far, and he 's going to need to a get the recuperation right b work out whether there's a, a needs to be a change in the starting eleven for energy alone and then he 's got to unpick France he unpicked England and it worked, so in the lead up to Sunday, what we need what I need to research, and what we need to find out is whether um this is a twelve man Croatian side, the eleven start and Zlatko Dalic giving them an extra brain on the pitch giving them tactics that will unpick the outstanding favourites to win the World Cup which now, without any question whatsoever must be France
1: Okay, that's our show we'll be back to preview the 2018 World Cup final which we now know is France versus Croatia Das for Daniel, boy
0: I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows we've got huge plans for next season but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash graham hunter do it now please imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time